So how did you hurt your back? I went into the city with my brother uh, and my girlfriend on Thursday. Um, and I know we walked around and I carried like some shit that I bought. But that's like the only thing I can think of because I, I was off the last couple days. And then my back started hurting like Saturday night. And it was kind of fine yesterday. And I woke up today. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I can't. I can't move. <laughs> was it like a Comic-Con size uh, haul? Bag no, or? I mean, it was a heavy bag just because, like, no, apparently no merchants in the city want to give you a bag. So I went to this really awesome, like, independent, anti-imperialist, uh, like, socialist bookstore. Fuck yes. And books are heavy. Yeah, yeah. So I bought one book, a, a Karl Marx book, and he, he gave me a bag, right? He had, like, a Target bag, a paper bag. And I was like, sweet. And then um, every other place I went to... Because we went to Chinatown, so we got, like, a bunch of vegan food to bring home. And we just, like, walked around and stuff. And, like, every store I went to, they just, like, threw the shit into the bag I already had. So, but I guess by the end of the day, the bag was getting pretty heavy, you know? You had a you had a bag of holding. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yep. Or if I were to quote uh, Age of Ultron by the Hollywood's best director and uh, respecter of all <laughs> actors and actresses, Joss Whedon. Especially women. Especially yes, women. yeah. If there's anything, if there's anything he loves, it's 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 writing women well and then respecting them just as much as yep. they were his own character. I, I think he probably he probably felt if he wrote them well enough, then he could do whatever he wanted to them. You know, he's like, oh, so what if I fucking abuse women? I write really really good female characters, so I'm fine. I mean, I I mean, I wasn't planning on discussing this, but I mean, now that we're on it though, like that's a pretty good point because there are so many. You know, you talked about um, who was the Castlevania dude. Oh, Warren Ellis. Yeah, yeah, neckbeard Warren Ellis. Uh, you know, like <laughs> who who also had allegations against him and stuff. Right. And you know, I'm I'm sure you know Joss hasn't had like sexual allegations come against him yet. Just a yeah, just abuse like yeah, by because his wife like and listen, stuff, yeah. folks, few things happen in a vacuum. So if someone's being a dick to you at work, imagine how they're treating people who they don't have to pay yeah. or or like you know or I mean I know the director doesn't pay the direct uh, doesn't pay the actor. No, but. <laughs> um, but uh. But yeah, like if you can tell Gal Gadot, uh, you know, like, listen, you have to do this thing. And if not, you'll never work in Hollywood again. Like that take that takes some balls yeah. to tell Wonder Woman. I, well, I mean, he you know? he body shamed. Uh, oh, gosh, I can't remember her name from Angel. Oh, Angel act actors. Right. Yeah. She was also on Buffy. Was that it was Buffy? Okay, that's how, that's where I. Heard well, it wasn't the actress who played Buffy, but it was she was on Buffy for years. Yeah. She played Cordelia, and then she went to Angels, the female lead. But yeah, she was pregnant, and he was just yes. fucking body shaming her, telling her like how disgusting she looked, and like how you know was like so pissed off that she got pregnant, and like was Listeners, ruining the show. He asked if she was going to keep it. Imagine that. Imagine asking anyone. Imagine asking your own partner that, let alone. Well, imagine you're at work and you're just like, hey, so uh, you gonna keep that? Because it's kind of it's kind of inconveniencing me right now. Like, what the fuck? Right? Like, the entitlement oh. of a white privileged male is is a power unbeknownst yeah. to, to to many, but it is incredible. But and it does bring up that argument though. Like, can you enjoy? Uh, that person's work still, right? Like, you know, can you separate the, the person from their art? And, you know, I, I am able to do it, you know? So I, I've still, I can still enjoy some Joss Whedon stuff. Um, I don't think I would support him in the future. You know, just like with Warren Ellis, I thought Castlevania season four was incredible and, and most fans would agree. And Warren Ellis is probably one of the, the best writers in the biz, but 
uh, you know, the allegations against him and the abuse that he's that he's you know uh, acted towards women. I wouldn't support him in the future. So I, you know, I think I can enjoy the stuff he's worked on, but that's where the relationship ends. Uh, yes, and of course, uh, we forgot to mention in previous podcasts, uh, Ty also is a huge Roman Polanski fan as well. And, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Separating the art only goes so I mean, so far. Rosemary's <laughs> Baby is a great film, but <laughs> other than that... But that's like I, it, right? Like, I've never I've never even seen Rosemary's Baby. Like, what? I, like, I, I, it's on my list. I'll do it. It's a fucking... It's a horror classic. You know? Oh my but, God, um, yeah, it's so you know, fucking good. Yeah, wow. like, I don't, I don't have the need to go and revisit any, any Woody Allen uh, movies or, yeah. you know... Uh, or listen to any Louis C.K. stand-up anymore. Uh, yeah. He was my favorite, and then he wasn't. <laughs> so, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, like, that. just speaking uh, speaking as, like, a borderline sociopath, narcissist, uh, if not one, then definitely raised by one, I can tell you firsthand that imaginary characters sometimes mean more to you than real people. And so right. for him, writing a female character, or, sorry, I, that, that term is so gross to me, writing a woman character... Um, unless she's of like a different species, uh, right? You know, writing a woman character, you know, I guess makes up for like they they'll take the the imaginary character more seriously than they'll take the person who's playing them. Right. And, He's like, I fucking respect the up. shit out of Buffy, but not Sarah Michelle Geller. So <laughs> exactly. Uh, but <laughs> to quote Black Widow from Age of Ultron, if she saw your bag, she would say, "Hey, big guy, bag's getting real low." But that was all of that just to say, just to spit in that oh, stupid fucking joke. Wow. Oh, I, I did have an epiphany though. Oh, it may have hurt yeah. my back when we were getting into an Uber at one point because my brother was determined to go to the Nintendo store. He wanted to go so bad. We took a 45 minute Uber ride to fucking get there because there was so much traffic that when we were getting into the Uber, a pigeon flew into my brother's head. Bounced off his head into my head, right? Then flew, we're like, ah, and flew away. And then we got, I was fucking dazed. I get into the Uber and like, we're a little heavy. So we're like, kind of like, like tight against each other. And I was kind of like bent at an awkward angle. Uh, and I feel like that's what happened. I think it was between the pigeon hitting me and the awkward angle in the Uber and holding this big bag. I have hurt my back, so. <laughs> it was the driver a bodega cat? How much New York can you fucking get? Oh, my God. Uh, it was, this it was is what insane. the podcast should be. It should really yeah. just be us riffing. Oh, I agree. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I let's did, get to 100 episodes before we decide I, yeah, that. Right? Oh, yeah, what did you have? I had yeah. one more thing that I did want to bring up. Uh, so we did an Israel-Palestine episode last week, right? And I think uh, I stand by what we said. I think we had some really good points in there. Um you know, obviously, we we don't support the genocide of people of Palestinians by Israel, um, but I did want to point out a couple things. You know, we did mention how Hamas was, you know, fighting for the freedom of Palestinians, and that is true. But I I also don't think I personally did a good job clarifying that Hamas isn't the end all be all. I think for Palestinians, right? You know, the Communist Party there I think has a lot of great points, and they could probably help them in a lot of ways. I think they've turned to a Hamas out of desperation. And, you know, I don't support Hamas, like, you know, uh, basically making women, you know, have less rights than men and, and things like that. So I, I just wanted to point that out. I know we, like, kind of, like, compared them to the Black Panthers, and I think there is some very stark differences there. But, you know, I, I did want to point it out that I, I understand Hamas is not perfect and not the answer to all their problems. But I think the situation they're in is very understandable why why people would turn to Hamas, right? And when so they're the only ones that are really fighting for them when the whole world is silent. 
Um, and, and also just a reminder that, you know, Hamas is pretty much only in the Gaza Strip. And if Israel is truly targeting them, then why are they attacking the West Bank? Right. We, I don't think we even really mentioned that. No, we did distinction. Thank you. You, you know, yeah, thank and you they, they have killed people in the West Bank. They've been taking more territory there. So this whole excuse that they're attacking Hamas really doesn't add up if you if you put it all together. Um, and since we recorded last, there has been a ceasefire. Which is great, you know. Quote it happened, <laughs> it happened a lot quicker than I think people expected, uh, and and it was really necessary. But um, they, the Israelis, are still attacking Palestinians in Jerusalem, right? Like they're they're still tear gassing. The Israeli people. military is still go yeah going into Al Aqsa Mosque, well, yeah, and, you know, and not just Al Aqsa, but but yeah, you know, the, Jerusalem's a holy city where multiple people worship. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're you know, and correct. and they also there's reports saying the police are going to knock in doors and make mass arrests. So you know, the ceasefire while the the bombings will say have stopped, it's not a true ceasefire, right? It's bullshit, and I, I hope people don't go back to being silent again because I think it's time. Uh, that people really speak out. I think there is a shift in in how people are responding to the situation. And I, Public I, opinion has surprised me quite a bit. It, it really has. You know, even a lot of liberals have kind of spoken out. Uh, you know, it's still like a both sides kind of thing. But the fact that they're even willing to call out, you know, uh, the Israeli Defense Force for for these atrocities, I think, is a really big step in the right direction. And uh, when I was in the city on Thursday, there actually was uh, a giant protest in Times Square. Um, and shit was popping off. I think mean, I was talking, we were trying to catch a train cause uh, I had to get my girlfriend, had to go to work and, uh, we were like going through the city Y'all and came was, out like, of a Nintendo store hitting fucking bricks with your heads. Pop, pop, <laughs> you <gotta get> back. <laughs> well, like we were in, you know, we just didn't know what was happening. All of a sudden there was cops fucking everywhere. There's a helicopter in the sky above us. Um, I think there was actually two helicopters. There was a uh, cop watch. And they were like yelling at cops and the cops were putting up barricades and it looked like there was like a police brutality situation going on. People had their phones out and shit uh, and the cops were getting real nervous there. Uh, And we weren't even in Times Square yet. We were like maybe like two blocks away. And then we saw like literally. Oh, you could still probably see it. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a line of fucking of cop cars, like like four blocks deep, like just just lined up with their lights on. There are cops on bikes, you name it, fucking everywhere. And then. Uh, when we were on the train back, like we were trying to figure, like, we didn't even really know it was protest. We're like, what is going on, you know? And we looked it up and found there was a protest going on, and it was both people supporting Israel and people supporting Palestine. But of course, uh, the police were targeting specifically Palestinian supporters. They were arresting uh, arresting them, and almost no Israeli uh, supporters were getting arrested in these videos. Um, there's even a video of 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 uh, a guy who's like, you know, yelling pro Israel things, and he punches one of the pro-Palestinian guys in the face and the cops grabbed the Palestinian guy. It, it's just like, Seriously? it's just fucking unreal, man. Like NYPD fucking sucks. I'm sorry. They're the fucking worst. Uh, no, you don't, you don't have to be sorry. They, you they, know, they like suck. they really are. They're just sh- <laughs> like shitheads, man. Like it was like, they're the worst, but yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, it's encouraging to see all these protesters actually one on Long Island. I think yesterday, um, and there's going to be another one, I think, in Times Square this coming weekend. So, you know, the people aren't aren't being quiet about it. They're, they're speaking out. Uh, and that's really encouraging. And also the cop putting the barricade up by mistake whacked a bystander with it as they were walking by while we were walking. And he's like, oh, oh sorry, sorry. It was really fucking funny, though, to me. I don't know. Sorry, he, I meant to shoot you. My yeah, he, he's, like, he's like, excuse me, excuse me. And he just fucking whacks this guy. And he's like, oh, oh, sorry. Meanwhile, there's like all his police buddies are like brutalizing someone like right next to them. And it's just like, 
Like, all right, dude. Yeah, you're, you know, fuck Was you. it James, the one nice New York cop? <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> He's like, fuck, I'm sorry. Listen, all right? I'm just I'm just doing my job, man, all right? Just doing my goddamn they want, job. He asked me to put up... Imagine he sounds like Tom Holland Spider-Man when he's at work. They're like, go put up... <laughs> Go put up the the barricades, James, and he's like he's like, man, come on, I just, you know, I just wanted to put up the bet. Actually, is that more like Star Lord? Come on, like I'm a cop, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so uh, th- yeah, thank you very much for for clarifying that, and I think you know also because, and uh, you know because the media covers it the way they covered it, and I kind of fell into that a bit too. Just because Hamas is usually used as the justification, you know, I kind of you know really wanted to. Uh, to, to tackle that in the beginning and be like, well, yeah. guys, Hamas isn't as bad as you think. Right. Um, but also they're not, like you said, not necessarily as great as we made them out to be. No. And, you know, they are they are an extremist, an extremist group adhering to a, a certain type of faith. And, you know, all faiths have uh, some pretty shameful parts of them, right. including the restricting of women's rights or uh, homophobia, just to name two of, you know, many. <laughs> uh, but, uh you know, but that being said, even if, you know, let's say it's an extremist group, or let's say it's just a civilian practicing that faith, you know, they still don't deserve to be killed because of it. You know? Exactly. And that's, and that, yeah. And that, you know, we're living in, this is a situation where children are being murdered in the streets. And as long as you are supporting that, then you're in the wrong. Sorry. Like, you're, you're in the wrong. So uh, until children, you know, can live freely and peacefully then we have to, you know, speak out against those that are committing these atrocities. And, you know, whatever Hamas, you know, shot some really inferior rockets at, uh, you know, at, at a building, Israeli Defense Forces bombed the Gaza Strip and murdered children. And that's that's genocide. So that's why we spoke yeah. out against it. And, uh, you know, again, I just wanted to bring up that I understand Hamas is not, you know, this like perfect solution, but I understand why they're fighting and why people would support them doing it. Yeah. Also, like it's not like they're fucking like they're they're ISIS and shit. Like you know, like yeah, it's like not quite the like, same. Oh. They're 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 actually like a voted in. They're politically voted in. You know. Yes, they have been. Like you said, people turn to them. You hammered them to a point of desperation that they turned to a <laughs> the party they didn't fully understand. <laughs> um. Yes. All the my cocaine impersonations today. Oh man. I'm excited again. Thanks for talking about Hamas, though. Uh, before we uh, before we get into our our episode proper, I want to say two things. One, I once injured my shoulder and trapezius muscles by taking a picture with two cosplayers at a convention. Uh, it was a it was it's not that funny. It was a Winter Soldier <laughs> cosplayer and a Captain America cosplayer, and I was like, "Oh, pretend like you're about to fight, and I'm holding you back." And um, these guys could have played them in the movie. Bro, I was just saying, bro, were, were they, was it really them? Because what the fuck? They were huge, and like, and you know, they started like pushing toward each other a bit to make the picture real. And I like, I was pushing back a little, and it fucking like tweaked something. And um, you're just like, oh, you know, <laughs> guys, this shit wouldn't happen. Everyone, I know it's tough. Try and just stay active a little bit throughout the day, so your body's prepared for like random stupid shit, or yeah. just carrying a bag and getting getting yeah, sniped by yeah. a pigeon. <laughs> Yeah. Sitting in a, in a sardine C- can. Code's done my body dirty, and I have an active job, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, and also, uh, Christopher Nolan uh, will have an article in the show notes and sources. This is the first of many mentions of it, of course. Uh, Christopher, actually, I'm not sure how many sources we have. A lot of this will probably be opinion. It's going to be a fun time, folks. Uh, Christopher Nolan uh, doesn't uh, doesn't really let people sit in chairs on his sets. 
He says, if you can sit, uh, if you can stand, you can work. Or like, if you're sitting, you're not working. One of those things, you know? Are you bringing this up because of the Zack Snyder article or no? No, I'm bringing it up because what we were talking about with Joss Whedon. Oh, that's so weird. Because there was an article I just came out that Zack Snyder banned chairs from the set of Army of the Dead. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? Yeah, he, he, so <laughs> really quick, Zack Snyder was the uh, director, cinematographer, camera operator, and co-writer of that film. And he was okay, so he's inv- getting too powerful. He was so involved in it that he was like, "We're gonna fucking work all day." And all the the entire cast is they've never seen a movie that they were working like basically all day. They didn't even have like real lunch breaks. They would bring food to set and like just grab it in between because they instead of like being like, "All right, you're gonna sit here and wait for the shot to be set up," Snyder was just fucking going. So like he didn't want anybody sitting around director's chairs. He wanted like constant movement. And uh, so he pushed them, like, off to the edges of the set. So they were kind of there, but, like, not really around. And, like, the, the cast would just, like, sit in, like, broken down cars or, like, you know, just pop a squat on the floor if they had to sit for a minute. But, but that's so – that's that's abusive. Like, I'm yeah, sorry that his fucking daughter took her own life, and I'm glad that he got to make the Snyder Cut. But long story short, that's just straight-up fucking abuse. There's no reason why our movie set, our short – set should have been as good as it was like we fucking treated our actors and our and our, and our crew like <laughs> we gold did. We did. <laughs> you know i mean except for the parts where they were on camera because you know it was it was hot in there but other than that like i just don't understand how as a director you think you can get the best performance from people who don't have a chance to rest or have a chance to give their best performance yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna I, watch I, the whole movie all the way through and see what these actors look like i definitely like i definitely agree with you because you know you're an actor so you know better than me and uh but like I get. I'm, I'm just guessing his mindset was, I'm not going to be sitting down, so like we're just going to keep going. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm assuming and that enthusiasm that was his is great. Yeah, and like you and like the actors haven't like come enthusiasm. out and like he was abusive, but like they they were just like it was kind of disappointing that we couldn't just sit down and have a nice lunch break, you know? So it was like you know it probably would have gone the extra way to just be like, all right, guys, break for lunch at the fucking very least, right? Yeah, for those of you who don't and. The, the other thing too is these are all at least SAG uh, SAG AFTRA actors. They're all yeah. unionized. Like, there's no way Dave Bautista isn't fucking unionized yeah. or Tig Notaro. So, like, why are you? I, I don't. I don't know. But uh, but Dave Bautista also worked for the WWE, so he's pretty used to abuse. <laughs> he's pretty used to <laughs> to working a lot and stuff. Um, you know, I guess also because like when it comes to wrestling, there there is a lot of um, there's a lot yeah. of rehearsals that go in before you know before the before the match. You know, depending on the event. But I will say for those of you who aren't aware of what it's like on set. Uh, for a TV show or for a movie, you know, it really depends. But you could be, you're probably spending at least 12 hours, maybe 16 or 20 there. You know, the one we did on our short was fucking uh, inhuman. The amount of time, we almost spent 24 hours on that set. Um, and that's bad enough. A lot of it is hurry up and wait. So, all right, get to set at 6 a.m. Make sure that you're dressed and in makeup by 7. And, um, and, and then just wait. You know, wait while we yeah. set up the shop, but they want to know that all their actors ready. Go to craft services, get a get a granola bar, get some you know, get some lunch when it's available and stuff like that. Like that's how how it usually runs. And even then, it's an exhausting day. It's exhausting just being in a place for sixteen hours and you know being like, all right, let me just be ready to work at any moment. It's like being on call almost. So, um, no chairs, no breaks. Sorry, that's that's fucking bullshit. I don't care. I don't care what type of director you yeah. are. You know, I'm I'm sorry, but uh, you know, like we said, the entitlement of you know privileged white men goes goes very very far, and you know they might they may not even realize that that's what it is. But for Snyder to be able to be like, all right, you know, I'm excited, so everyone else has to be just as excited and working. Yeah, no, I mean, like, that's how like mistakes said, I, get made. I, I don't think he meant it maliciously, but it was wrong, you know, and and wrong is wrong. So yeah, 
he's like a fucking puppy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he is like he's just very excited, and it's well, great that he's. Yeah, I mean, like, how fucking how many directors are the camera operator and cinematographer and writer? And this guy was like, "This is my fucking movie. Let's do it." He was just pumped. Oh, he was really I excited. mean, that that's actually another thing, and I know that we're not talking about the you know the film yet, folks, but uh. But, you know, but I do think that this is important. Just, you know, like we have to know about the industry and we have to know about, uh, you know, about what what goes on in it, at least. Um, but like I I almost worked with a writer, director, actor. So someone who wrote the script for themselves to be the lead, directed it. And, and like, you know, luckily I, ba- I backed out of the production. I mean, you know, it's probably going to be on HBO Max next year and I'm going to be like, oh, should have put my anxiety down and worked on it. But uh <laughs> I don't know if any of you are actors out there or are going to work with it. Just be wary of someone who is not, you know, writer, director, fine. But like writer, director, producer, camera operator, actor, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, the the best leader you can find is somebody who knows what they can do and somebody who knows what others can do better. And it's all about delegation. It's not about being a, a jack of all trades. So, well, I will say that I did the same thing when I was in high school, but. It was, it was obviously high school. <laughs> you had $3 to your fucking budget. What were yeah. you going to do? <laughs> True. How many actors did you have? <laughs> it's a t- Zach, Zach's not an indie director anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to see some indie films sec. he did do if he did. Right. <laughs> uh, um, Ty, how many new reviews do you think we have this week? Zero. Absolutely correct. You ready to bring in the theme song? Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> of the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we read between the lines of our favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I am your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. Mike O'Kine, and uh, <laughs> I couldn't think of any other good a.k.a.s the V-Tone. I'm sorry. <laughs> what do we want to do? We want to do, um... Uh, I'll come up with them in the middle of the episode and there throw them go. out there. We'll Let's just, just do that. Uh, and in, 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 my, uh, in my second seat, as always, is my lovely co-host, Ty. Hey. All right, cool, great, aka. Uh, Ty, quick <laughs> AKA question. Ty, aka still Ty. <laughs> Holy shit, he's good. What do you think the theme song sounds like? I know we haven't done this bit in a while. Oh yeah. Any, any guesses? Have you listened to well, it? Well, you've yet? waited so on? long to ask me. I mean, it's too late now. I know what it sounds like. It sounds like folk music. You you fucking nailed it, guy. All right, uh, today we are <laughs> we uh, we're continuing our our fake Bat Month special by reviewing our the Bat Dark Month Knight. special, and that's what I'm sticking with. It's our it's, it's for <laughs> a us. Legitimate Bat Month special, and you know what? Last week's episode was very appropriate because we talk about people losing things as children and then vowing to to fight the power as they get older and make sure it never happens again. Holy shit! Bunch of little Hamases. No, uh, <laughs> once again, <laughs> once again, guys. Palestinians are their are their own people, you know. Just because yeah. Hamas is thrown around as a, you know as a buzzword uh, to you know to constantly justify genocide, <laughs> um, doesn't yeah. mean that you know that you necessarily have to equate the two as the media frequently does, right. and as uh, yeah, I specifically did last week. But today we are reviewing the Dark Knight. This is the second of uh, Nolan's uh, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. And, uh, you know, this movie came out in 2008, and it changed my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, probably until some other life-changing events happened. But the, but the Dark Knight was, this was the first movie I'd ever seen six times in the movie theaters. It was oh. the first time I had ever seen my hero lose. It was the, 
you know, the first time I, I, I'd ever really, I mean, I know that we've, we've read Batman comics and we've seen him go through shit, but like, but you know, seeing it on screen, seeing it acted out, the sounds, the visuals, it's all, you know, it, it all seemed very real. And, you know, thanks, thanks in no small part to, you know, to, to the vision of, of Nolan and Ayer, uh, or no, was it Nolan and Goyer on this one? I should know. I know it came out in 2008, but you know, <laughs> into this vision, which was you know supposed to be a much more realistic version of the Batman mythos, and they did a great job setting it up with Batman Begins, and then it was in Goyer. my opinion, it was Goyer. All right, thank you. And in in my opinion, knocked it out of the park with uh, with the Dark Knight. I never knew what to expect, and I was so stupid when I was 18. I thought the Joker figured out he was Bruce Wayne, uh, so I had I had to watch it multiple times in order Aww, to realize what the adorable. story. I, I mean, there. In my defense, there's a lot of nuance to the story, a lot of pieces that are weaving across each other. True. Uh, but also, that one line alone was not enough to. He's like, "Oh shit, he knows he's Bruce Wayne." <laughs> <laughs> too many comics. Too many comics on my I, part. I was really fortunate. My friend wanted to see it in IMAX. Uh, our friend Nick, actually, who was on the podcast uh, in February. And yes, he helped us do, uh, read between the lines of Antebellum. Yes. And uh, and he was like, yo, let's go see it in IMAX. I'll get the tickets. My dad will drive us because we were still in high school. And he uh, he accidentally and nobody watched... wanted to hang out with Cascone, uh, who <laughs> uh, we don't talk about him, <laughs> who, uh, uh, <laughs> who was the only one of us with a car. <laughs> he bought tickets upstate by mistake, <laughs> like Westchester, oh, like Jesus. further. Some shit. So. His dad had to drive us like two hours to see this fucking movie. Uh, and thank God it was so good that even his dad loved it. Because then we were all in a great mood in the drive back. And they had to drop me off at work because it took so long to get back. I had to go to work. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. I got to see an IMAX first time. And it blew my fucking mind, you know. Uh, and this was kind of like right around when I just started getting back into comics. A mutual friend of ours, Scott, uh, he, he had convinced me to buy batman the long halloween right around this thank time. you for mentioning it because i cut him out of the last episode when i was editing so oh yeah, yeah there you go so yeah he convinced me to buy batman the long halloween and told me it was one of the greatest things he'd ever read in his fucking life uh he's a very intense person and he was right because it was one of the greatest things i'd ever read in my life so i was really into batman i was really ready for this movie and uh it, it really it nailed it i thought it did a great job uh and we're gonna talk about that today and, and what it means to us and and some of the messages there and how it holds up uh, all these years later. Cause we're now it's in 2021. Uh, and again, this movie came out in 2008. I'm actually so excited. Just like, I don't know, ramping up into this that I want to watch the dark Knight like right now again. <laughs> instead of I'm actually excited to watch the dark Knight rises and I didn't even like that movie. So that's how good this film is. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that is how good dark Knight was that it, uh, it got us excited for The Dark Knight Rises. But before we get there, how about we just go into the plot of the film? Folks, spoiler alert in effect right now. Uh, so if, if you're hearing this and you haven't seen The Dark Knight for whatever reason, please make sure that you go out and watch it or listen to the podcast as you watch it. We will be ending about halfway through the movie, but uh, hey. Um, Ty, would you be so kind and, and, and graceful or gracious, gracious as to give our sweet listeners the plot? Oh, I will. I will do it. The Dark Knight, when the menace known as the Joker wrecks havoc and chaos on the people of Gotham, Batman must accept one of the greatest psychological and physical tests of his ability to fight injustice. All right. And uh, was that was that an IMDb one? It was. Now, what's interesting, it's always interesting to see what people put on to the, because uh, there, there are, there are like, uh, obviously, thank you, Tyler, that was great. But like, you know, this is a great way to get into the plot of the film because most people will see this film and be like, okay, 
Joker's the bad guy, Batman's the good guy. Let's get into it. Uh, but you know, but the, this film really took me. Uh, you know, it, it, I was taken aback because of the nuance, and especially now going back into it as an adult, because I very much was one of those. The Joker's the bad guy. Batman's the good guy. Batman has a code, so he's the best. And I'm not sure I stand there with with just this movie in particular. Uh, what 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 are you feeling about about that? What, rewatching this time, it, it's a very different uh, experience, right? I mean, I think. My opinion of, let's say, the police, for example, has changed a lot. Um, my opinion of Batman has changed a lot. You know, I think Joker is still a villain. I would never call him a hero. You know, he's he's Nor vicious and brutal. No. <laughs> you know, but he is pointing out the flaws in in humanity, and he's showing kind of the dark underbelly of Gotham that all these people want to hide, right? Uh, but it's it's there, and he he's just exposing it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely like a, a different viewing experience this time around. And my opinions of the characters have changed slightly. Yeah. I, mine, mine have changed quite a bit, actually. You know, I remember one of my friends, uh, you know, a little more liberal, God bless his soul, uh, but he's a nice guy. Uh, one of my groomsmen, not going to say him by name, but he, you know, he told me like when, you know, when the, when we were leading up to the election, he was like, remember to, you know, uh, vote for Biden. Don't be... Bane or something or don't be the joke or don't be Ra like he said one of the Dark Knight villains and that's when it hit me I was like Ra's al Ghul was about you know restoring balance uh the Joker was about uh pointing out the flaws in society and saying that we'd be better off in our own hands instead of in the hands of hypocrites and uh you know Bane kind of continued that and said the people are the ones who have to have the power instead of being put behind bars by by these corrupt politicians and law enforcement you know you're the ones who have been taken advantage of and Gotham is yours now uh unfortunately that was all just a speech and he was a bitch boy but we'll get into that in the next movie <laughs> but like it, it's it's really weird to grow up and start seeing the villains make more sense and does that make the heroes juvenile i don't know i don't know if we can say that necessarily but i think that the, the ending of the dark knight kind of says that in a lot of ways Right, I mean, like not to skip ahead so much, but you know, when Harvey Dent's on the roof, we there, can move around though. We yeah, can move around. you know, like he's he's got Gordon's son, and and he's threatening to kill him, and he's like, you know, I told you that your your cops were corrupt, and you wouldn't listen, like you would not accept it. And Jim Gordon's a really good man, right? And he's a really good cop, and he has been trying to save this city. He's teamed up with Batman, and. He's put his literal and life on the line. And he was trying to fight the mob. Yeah, he was trying to fight the mob. <laughs> right. But at the same time, he just wouldn't fucking accept that his cops were bastards, right? So, it you know, yeah. If, and if unfortunately, in trying to fight the mob, he didn't realize that they knew they were coming. Sorry, just throwing <laughs> a, a few out in there too. Well, it's just like, all right, so you already know a lot of cops are dirty, and you know the mob's gonna pay them off. And Harvey's telling you, listen, don't trust your fucking guys, and he didn't listen, you know. So in a way, that is on him. Um, but yes, you know, yeah, but is. then Batman does bring up a point. He's like, we knew this could happen. The three of us, we we made took an oath that we were going to save this city and put our we lives on the line. That. We yeah, three. yeah. <laughs> a lot of that right? didn't happen. I'm sorry. It's fine. I love it. But yeah, so like all three of them knew what was going on. So you know, I mean, I think Harvey obviously. I wouldn't even call him insane at this point. I think he's just he's just angry. He's obviously physically disabled. Right? He's been hurt horribly. 
the one person he loved is dead. And, you know, I think he's just, he's just angry and bitter. And, you know, uh, is he wrong? Yeah. I mean, he obviously shouldn't kill this little kid, but, uh, you know, he does have a good point that, you know, they, they could have stopped this had, had they done things, you know, had they listened to him, but, you know, again, they did put their lives on the line and knew this could happen. So I think all three of them are naive, you know, they didn't, they didn't really understand what they were getting themselves into, uh, Batman included. Yeah, but, but. You know, listen, in Harvey's def- – I know you're not saying shit against Harvey because we both agree. Like, yeah, I, I would probably do the same shit. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in to come to Harvey's defense in some way, Batman wore a fucking mask. Right. What the fuck did he right. risk? You know what I mean? Like, well, Rachel know, unfortunately, says that, too. his kind of girlfriend still died. Yeah, what does she say? She, well, she says, you know, to Alfred, what is he doing? Why is he letting Harvey take the fall? And he's like, oh, he's not being the hero. He's doing something more. You know, because this fucking speech about how Batman's doing the right thing. And Rachel's like, yeah, well, letting Harvey take the fall for this is not very heroic, is it? And she's right, you know, because at, at the end of the day, it's Harvey whose life is on the line. It's Harvey whose friends and family are on the line. You know, like you said, Batman hides behind that mask. And nobody's targeting Bruce Wayne in this film at all, actually. The only time they ever, <laughs> ever get no near one. him is at the... Uh, at his little fundraiser, and they're not there for him. I don't Joker even brings him up once while they're there. So, you know, he's he's very, very safe under, you know, his, his cowl and armor while Harvey is out there time and time again putting himself on the line. He almost gets shot in the face in, the, yeah. in his first scene in the movie. Yep. When you talk about Harvey, I want to talk about him for a bit because Harvey is one of the people who, you know, they call him the White Knight of Gotham, right. which... We've reviewed White Knight and Curse of the White Knight. I I don't think that's any mistake that you know that 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 the titles are are similar. You know, obviously as an antithesis to the Dark Knight, you need something. But, um, but he's one of the people who's actually been inspired by Batman, right? And and you know that's kind of the you know that's one of the big points of Batman is that he's supposed to inspire people to let them know that the power is and always has been. This is uh, quoting Frank Miller, kind of, uh, in their hands, in the hands of the common man or woman or. Uh, two spirit in the hands of the common person. Any anything in between. If you're a fucking working class person, unlike Bruce, uh, you know that 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 you you know if you see something wrong with the system, you can take you can take matters into your own hands. And I think Harvey is trying to use the system in order you know to to beat the system. He's speaking truth to power. We have judges on his side. We have the mayor on his side. We have the police commissioner on his side. And then eventually we also get Gordon on on his side, too. And he even brings in Batman like Harvey is the fucking he's the pinnacle, you know, of of what, you know, of what a hero is supposed to be in Gotham and in real life all around the world. We wish all politicians would be so grateful, uh, would be so, you know, so great. So 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 selfless. He even says in uh, in that dinner scene that he understands uh, why the Batman is doing what he's doing. And he, like, you know, he speaks right to Batman. I mean, obviously the writing is what the writing is, but he speaks right to Batman's mentality. He says he couldn't want, he can't want to do this forever. You know, like, think about that. Nobody wants to resist forever. Nobody wants to fight forever. Spartan soldiers used to have uh, depictions on their shield. I'm not sure if it was Spartan, but it was one of the, you know, Greek warriors, whatever, back in the day. Uh, this is a. I got this from uh, the movie Never Back Down, um, but but they used to have uh, images on their shields of the, of like family and home because that's what you're fighting for. You're not fighting to fight. You're not fighting for the glory of violence. You're fighting for peace. And uh, and you know I, I really love uh, you know I loved Harvey Dent as a character for that and also because you know like like you said at the end he said it's not about what he wants it's about what's fair, you know like 
he says, you thought we could be decent men in an indecent time. And he says that the only morality in a cruel world is chance. And unfortunately, like he's kind of right. Yeah. But but to an extent, he doesn't even believe it because and this is one of my favorite subtleties ever in in any film, especially this one. He he chooses to flip the coin now scarred on one side. And he is, thank God we put the spoiler alert out, and he, um, and he's going to hold Batman accountable, he's going to hold himself accountable, and he's going to hold Gordon accountable in that order. So he shoots Batman, but before he has a chance to shoot Gordon's son, he puts the gun to his own head. And I was like, shit, Harvey's still in there. Yeah. Because Harvey didn't want to do that, but also he's been driven, for lack of a better term, insane, you know, by what happened to him, by the trauma of losing his his love and having to fucking hear it and and the trauma of surviving the guilt and then also the joker coming in and be like hey buddy let me tell you something about society blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know like so all those things have culminated to push a good man over the edge and uh you know it really is a it is a shame and it's good to see that and you know in more media because usually we just see two-face as two-face you know we don't really you know just like we see darth vader as darth vader right but seeing the downfall for the fall from grace for that character into the villain they become is uh you know is always great when it's done well and i think they did a pretty good job they, here. they don't even really go into this much but you know that whole moment where he's like oh uh what was that nickname you guys had for me in internal affairs right and it was harvey two-face but yep. i you know internal affairs their job is to investigate crooked cops or potentially crooked cops everyone's a crooked and, cop yeah everyone's a crooked cop. <laughs> and and you know i've watched enough law and order to know that internal affairs people the cops hate them they think they're 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 scumbags, they're rats, you know, they're they're turning on the on the blue blue family, you know. They're getting uh, in the way of the police actually doing their job. Yeah, it's a really difficult job to have, and that's a job Harvey did, you know. Um and, and obviously he was good at it, good enough to become, you know, the district attorney. And, you know, I think he understands crooked cops a lot better than Gordon does. So, you know, when he says to that he doesn't trust his people, Gordon should have listened. Because he really Well it's probably yeah. because he isn't a cop. Like, yeah. he, you know, he yeah. was, yeah, he was working at IA and then he became the DA. But like, you know, Gordon, who his partner was a crooked cop. Like, right, right. like he actually had to pistol whip him in the last That's movie. That's right. That's right. Um, I That's mean, right. you know, psychotropic hallucinogens notwithstanding, true. but like, you know, Gordon should know firsthand, you know, but yeah. I think once again, right, like we talk about this, you know, we talk about one of our friends, you know, he and I have had a falling out recently. I mean, maybe we're still Facebook friends because I said all cops are bastards. He said all cops. He is a cop. And I said, yes. And, you know, even if you don't want to be, you are a bastard because your job requires you to be. And just being on the inside of it, you cannot make that distinction. You can't make I can make the distinction between saying I am, a, you know, a podcaster and I am me. But there are people who can't make the distinction. They're a cop 24 seven in their yeah. heads. You know, and as soon as a cop, you know, cops are attacked in the media or, you know, and by attacked, I mean verbally held, trying to be held accountable. You know, they're like, oh, we all got to step up, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And there's a lot of that happening in this movie, too, especially in the. In the well, that's one. why when people say Black Lives Matter, because they're born black and they say Blue Lives Matter, they're not born blue, right? They're not, they're not blue people. They're cops. So it doesn't fucking make any sense. They can't separate the goddamn line. But. Anyway, we digress. Uh, I but, love you know. that. I, I'm, I'm, I like not being the only one to get pissed yeah, during the annoying. movie. Uh, <laughs> it's annoying. It's stupid. Did the you, whole blows uh, shit's stupid. Um, <laughs> Did you have any other Harvey stuff? Yeah, I was. Just, you know, I was just gonna also say there. You know, 
typically people will associate obviously the Joker and the and Batman as having this you know symbi- symbiotic relationship, right? But there's you know I think it's important to to mention that Joker's entire plan kind of hinges on corrupting Gordon. You know he he doesn't he, you know the end all be all isn't beating Batman and hitting fisticuffs as he says, or you know uh, trying to to kill you know Jim Gordon or blow up those ships. It's it's really about corrupting the White Knight, the one person that inspires hope and change Dent, in this not city. Gordon. Yeah, Dent. Sorry. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Okay, no. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's inspiring hope and change in in the city, uh, and so he's trying to corrupt Harvey Dent. And uh, you know, in the end, he almost succeeds, right? I mean, he does kind of corrupt him, but obviously, Batman takes the fall for it and is able to cover up for him. But you know, I, I think again, Harvey Dent is kind of the hope this city needs. You know, he's. He's the person that they look up to that they think can actually make a difference for once in Gotham City, you know. Uh, what's that line he says at, at that big press conference? You know, uh, it's always dark, it's just before the dawn, but I promise you the dawn is coming. And yes. I think and people believe goes, him. No more dead cops! Uh, fuck that and she, and she goes, you'd rather protect the life of a mass vigilante than of the citizens of Gotham? <laughs> once again, I've seen this movie a few times. Just a few, just a few. You know, and I think I think people do do believe him and and, you know... When he turns himself in as Batman, it's kind of a it's a huge moment. It's a it's a really huge moment. He's willing to do that and protect the Batman and put his own life on the line. You know, also it's interesting that like all of these guys know that the system doesn't work too because they wouldn't be fucking working with Batman in the first place if yeah. if, if things worked so uh you know worked so well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I you know also uh, last thing I have for Harvey is just that like he also is a great representation of what happens when we put all of our faith into one person or one politician if you will right. you know the ideals that Harvey stood for you know uh, Batman specifically says to him like if you know everything is undone if they find out that Harvey is a less than stellar guy you know, I mean, Cuomo's still in office, so who knows what would have happened, <laughs> you know, but like, you know, he's, he says your stand against organized crime is the most legitimate ray of light in Gotham in decades. That fucking Batman voice, man. It's so it's so bad. Not yours. <laughs> oh, yeah. The I know, one I'm they just, actually use because it sounds just impersonating like a bad voice. Uh, yeah, it's 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 terrible. I don't know why they went he even talks to Lucius but... Fox like that. And Fox knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. <laughs> it's so funny. Beautiful, isn't it? Beautiful unethical all right sorry now let's i want to talk about the joker and kind of going from the beginning of the movie um you know he i'm i'm wondering this is a theory and yes i was kind of high while i was watching it uh you know but i was wondering like could the joker be somewhat like the next step in human evolution you know because he says later he says i'm i'm he's he's ahead of the curve yeah you know he's outmaneuvering people because he knows the rules they play by you know it's an archaic system of values and practices um, and by the way, people, I don't I'm, I'm not saying that the Joker is right, but I am saying that this archaic system of practices and, and values in our own world has continued to 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 prove problematic. You know, we still are a country that uses slave labor, <laughs> you know, like, you know, obviously, I believe in justice and I believe in equality and I believe in peace. But as a whole, our country or even our world hasn't really adhered to that. So the system, which is supposed to push those things, hasn't worked. And therefore, it doesn't need to be reformed. It needs to be abolished entirely and a new one needs to be put up in its place. At least that's what the Joker is saying and a lot of leftists. Um, But he says, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stranger. So 
you know, I think he's one of those people. There are a lot of theories. I'll throw it in the show notes and sources too. There are a lot of theories as to who the Joker is, where he comes from. Because in this movie, they do a great job of, you know, going with the killing joke thing and not giving you his definite origin. And, you know, there are some theories that maybe he was a soldier, which is how he's able to be so fucking competent in all of these plans. Because he says, do I really look like a guy with a plan? And yet, all he does is plan this entire fucking movie. Um, that's that's all he does. You know, but maybe he was one of those people who got blown up in a cruiser in Afghanistan and it wasn't a big deal. And he saw that he was left behind like the rest of his squad mates and was like, well, fuck this. I thought I was fighting for something worthwhile. And here I am being thrown away like a pawn. Um, You know, we also see, I'm just going through my notes. Cut me off at any time though. Uh, yeah, you know, I was just going to say, I don't necessarily yeah. agree with that take. Like I know what you're saying about give Joker. It, give it. Um, but I also think Michael Caine kind of summarized him pretty well. He's like, some men just want to watch the world burn. And I think whatever Joker's past life experiences, whatever shaped him, uh, destroyed the humanity in him to the point where he had nothing left to lose. And he just, he just wants to bring chaos because he doesn't care about anything else. Um, I think you're the way you're talking about Joker would kind of be more in line with with the Joker from that Joaquin Phoenix plays in the film. You know, wanted to bring that change to the world and and to the system because it doesn't work. But this Joker, we really don't know what's real and what's not with him. You know, he gives multiple backstories that are really sad but contradict each other. Um, and then you know he he obviously understands the system, um, but I I don't necessarily think he wants to make it a better world. He just or better system. He just wants to point out the flaws in it. He wants to literally get inside the heads of people. And I think he's so intrigued by Batman. And he says, kill you. I don't want to kill you. You complete me, you know, because he, he really enjoys this cat and mouse game he has with him. And, you know, corrupting Harvey Dent, who is trying to do right, is his end all be all in this film. Um, and he even says to Batman at the end, you know, I think we're destined to do this forever. You know, he, an immovable object meets, you know, uh, what, an unstoppable, unstoppable force. force, Yeah. you know, and, and I think, I don't think there's any real rhyme or reason to the Joker's actions. Uh, he just, he doesn't think the way other people think and he can't be broken or defeated the same way because he has literally nothing to lose, you know? Uh, the way, you know, how in Batman Begins, Bruce Wayne thought he had nothing to lose, but he did. Joker doesn't. He has, there's nothing he cares about. Uh, there's, you know, he's kind of, I guess if he cares about anything, it's Batman, right? So, it's, yeah, know. I mean, you know, so, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely see how you would see that. And I, I think you're wrong. No, uh, <laughs> no I do. <laughs> Go fuck um, yourself. Yeah, you're right in the, in the fact that like the Joker isn't trying to build anything back up. That is, that is, that's definitely, uh, definitely true. And I think my problem is that I continue to conflate between, you know, talking about the story of the movie and talking about like, you know, IRL and stuff. Uh, but I, you know, I, I definitely agree with that. I don't think he wants to bring anything up, but also I think that, that Alfred and Bruce don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You know, from Batman's inception, he, not to call out another Nolan flick, um, but he, you know, he has always said, uh, criminals are superstitious and cowardly lot yeah and that's why he became you know that's part of why he became a bat in the original origins and you know he says that in this movie he's, well not exactly but he says criminals aren't complicated alfred we just have to figure out what he wants and that's when alfred tells him some men don't want anything some men just want to watch the world burn and you know maybe he does want i think he wants to raise i don't know like i 
I'm 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 caught in between. I don't like I don't believe that he's just there for chaos because if so, he would do all of the chaotic supervillain stuff and just cause as much destruction as possible. But but his you thing know, maybe, isn't destruction. His thing is corrupting people. It's is, corruption, not destruction, is what you're saying. Yeah. He so wa- he's destroying he wants, people's minds yes. and souls instead of destroying property. Okay. Okay. You know, yeah. the, the property yeah. happens as as part of that plan, but you know his his ultimate goals are you know corrupt Harvey Dent. You know, let's see if we can get these people on the ships to blow each other up and, and see who does it first. You know, let, let, like, let me let me manipulate people and, and show them, you know, the, the that they're all fucking side. hypocrites. Yeah. You know, even like yeah. with the gangsters, like, oh, it's all about money with you. You know, like he's even showing them their flaws. Like all you care about is money, you know, so he burns all the money. Right. Like like he doesn't actually uh, you know, I don't think necessarily he wants to destroy buildings and stuff, but he wants to destroy the people that live in this society and show them, you know, what, what they re- what he sees, I think in the, in the world. And I, I do agree that Bruce definitely does not understand it. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. He was like, Bruce you is know, the first time crazy. I stole, he's like, I stole a peach once. I know what criminals think. Yeah. All right, bro. <laughs> I stole like from myself. Fucking bat and goes around. Beating people. I don't, but I think Alfred <laughs> is a lot more grounded than Bruce. I think he, Alfred has seen some shit. Yeah. He has, you know, he's, he's served in the military and I don't know if they bring it up in the films, but typically that's, that's his backstory. You know, he's, he's served the Waynes. He's he's lived in Gotham while Bruce was off learning how to be a ninja, uh, you know, this whole time. So, you know, he's seen the city. He's he's seen these children. Raised. I think he he does understand the world a little better than Bruce. And I think that's why Bruce kind of needs him in a lot of ways. Right. To kind of help him stay true to who he is. Michael Caine has addressed it in interviews saying that like that's why Alfred is so good at patching up Bruce because he was a military medic in this specific you know story but yeah like you said in the comics you know he's been you know MI6 uh you know also a theater guy (laughs) yeah you know I also want to note how uh you know we see at the beginning Batman is sharing his resources with the police department he's using irradiated bills so that way they can track uh bank robberies and stuff um, you know, but, uh, you know, like we said in the, in the white Knight episodes, uh, sharing resources is important, but also militarizing the police is not the way to go about it. Like, you know, but it, once again, it's just in this story, we're seeing the police go after actual criminals. That's the weird part. You know, we're seeing them go after the mob who are continually breeding, uh, breeding. I mean, maybe, uh, but they're bleeding Gotham dry. You know, like they are they are so cocky. You know, Batman's been the only one to put them in their place a little bit. And even then, I think that I was going to wait a little bit, but let me go to it now. Um, I think that's why the Joker loves Batman so much. Also, I think that Batman proves that the Joker's right. He proves that, you know, every yeah. time he puts on that cape and cowl and instead of putting on a badge, he's 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 proving the Joker right. You know, he's he's saying that we have to take matters into our own hands. The system doesn't work. And being a vigilante, at least in the Joker's mind, is probably the next the next logical step for survival. Yep. And, you know, to me, it just reminds me of like kind of trying to move somebody further left. You know, like you see their potential and you really don't want to fight with them. You're like, listen, you have a really great ground as a liberal or whatever. You know, even at, for me, mostly it's conservatives. Like for me, mostly I see conservatives who are like, you know, we fucking hate the government. You know, we we think that the working classes are better, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, like 
I'm fucking with you on all that, except y'all are racist and you believe everything that you're fucking told. Like, yeah. you know, so when Joker says, like, I don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? I'm like, fuck. Like, I felt this frustration. Like, like, come on. You're almost there. You know, <laughs> come on. Just just move left to this. I know the Joker's philosophy isn't necessarily a leftist philosophy, but, you yeah, know, I, I just want to be dead. You know, I, I feel yes, like we should make <laughs> his Joker. Yeah. He says introduce a little anarchy, but I don't even think he's an anarchist. No. And I was I was learning a little bit about anarchy before this. Not enough to speak on it here but i'll put it in the show notes and sources so so anyone can view that and make their own distinction you know do you think joker is a true anarchist do you think he just used the term anarchy you know yeah uh, you know so i, I definitely wouldn't say joker's a leftist because i don't think he supports medicare for all and i agree new deal i think he just wants to uh to expose the corruption in the system but and i i do agree though that you're right you know, every time batman puts on the cow he does prove joker right and that's why i think at the end in order to defeat joker he has to give up being Batman. He has to take the fall, become the villain. Uh, and as we'll see in the next film, you know, he has to go into hiding. And that is the only way to really stop Joker's plan from coming to fruition, right? And preserve the uh, kind of Harvey Dent's role as, as the White Knight of Gotham. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain is literally tattooed on my right shoulder. And, you know, we don't necessarily have the time to go into every single... Uh, you know, idea of what this could mean, what it meant to me. But I really want to talk about what it means, not just for this film, but for let's let's take politicians. Right. You know, they they run on they campaign on all these amazing promises and that they will be a hero. And then sure enough, after they take office, they become a villain. You know, um, I mean, they probably were villains before they took office. But, you know, but how often is CNN going to tell us that? Um you know, it also reminds me, though, of like of revolutionaries when we talk about, you know, they, they referenced Caesar earlier and said that he was the one given the power to protect the city in kind of a, an all or nothing box moment uh, to, you know, to give an homage to uh, Rodriguez there. But he never gave up that power and became the villain. Now, I don't know too much about uh you know, about a lot of like communist revolutionaries or le or leftist revolutionaries around the world. I, you know, I do have to learn more before I speak on them. But from what I do understand, there's always a lot of critiques of the methods in which they've used, you know, the quote unquote violent methods or bloody methods in order to, you know, to, to topple the, you know, the powers that be. And then also some of them become assholes themselves in order to maintain that that power. Uh, so that kind of like, you know, you either die a Fred Hampton or you live long enough to see yourself become... I don't know. Was Mao Zedong bad? Everyone says he was bad. I actually don't know <laughs> enough about him. Become he was Obama. Bad, right? I don't know. You either die, yeah, you either die for Hampton or live long enough to see yourself become Obama, right? Both from the same streets, both from the same, you know, the same city. God, I don't know. That was just depressing, just saying. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so what else do we have here? Uh, I think there's also a metaphor to, uh, to, you know, to, to terrorism, definitely the war on terror, you know, like the Joker is playing dirty. He is, he is a literal terrorist. He is killing civilians, not just cops. Uh, so they have to play dirty to fight him. Batman ends up doing his own Patriot Act and rigging the entire city's, uh, mobile network, uh, to match up with a sonar tech that Fox had, uh, that Fox had created. And, you know, he's like, listen, I got to find the bad guy. But he also says he'll shut it down after, which which is a, a stark difference between, let's say, the United States and and Batman in this in this film. I'm not the only one to have made these uh, to, to have made these comparisons. But how did like how do you feel about that? You know, the ethics of what Batman had to do in order to find the Joker. 
World's greatest detective, by the way. Just constantly telling people where, asking people where other people are. Continue. Sorry. Yeah, the, the sonar device you're talking about, right? The fo- uh, he has foxes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think this is very similar to like the Patriot Act, right? Like the idea that uh, for your protection, they're going to listen into every conversation you have and keep tabs on all your you know social media and all your your devices to make sure that they can they can stop any terrorism from happening. But realistically. You know, maybe that, at least in Batman's case, the intention is to be used for good, but it can be easily used for wrong, right? And it almost becomes like a minority report situation where you're now going after people before they even commit the crime, right? And it's like, you know, how how can you abuse somebody? How can you uh, listen in their conversations? How can you use that to take down people? So I think Fox is absolutely right when he says, you know, this is wrong, and, and he even says that he's going to resign if that device is going to stay, you know, uh, uh, with 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 the Waynes. And, and he just does not approve it at all. And I, I agree with him. I think it is totally wrong. Um, in this situation, I, I, you know, I guess they use it for good. So it, it does work out. But right. Well, he gives the power to Fox he does. to destroy he does, the machine. Which is great. And I think that that like that's great. Like there's a difference between, you know, you know what? Let's go. Let's. I will do it. I'm not speaking for for Ty. I'm speaking for myself here. You know, I'm drawing a last minute comparison. But we were talking about Israel last week, right? Originally, the Arab nations did start a war against them. You know, when when the UN decided to fuck. I mean, still, it, it was kind of justified. Uh, but um, you know, somehow this fledgling nation with nothing but the support of the entire world managed to defeat, uh, you know, a few Arab nations. But uh. That should be it, right? Like, that should be where it ends. But no, they've continued to grow and continued to, you know, uh, increase military occupation and presence and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's very much like the U.S. has done. We've we've made the comparison between the two before. But I, I have a new friend. This is a shout out to you. But but she uh, she put it so well for me. And I never heard this before. I'm sure it's not new, but it was new to me that capitalism, its entire goal is to grow endlessly. That is the ideology of a cancer cell. Yeah. Grow endlessly. Consume everything you can. Now, we're not necessarily critiquing capitalism in this episode in particular, you know, but I do think that, you know, seeing Batman, like if if people could be more like Batman in real life as in like, all right, you know, we won a war. Let's denuclearize or something like that. Like we did this. Let's get rid of the weapons. We don't need them anymore. Like you know, like all right, we we you know we we, we got the country. You know, I, it's obviously they never even had to fight for the United States right. in the first place. But so that's just that's just my my personal thing. Like if 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 every weapon could just be given up after it was used, it would be. A di- I mean, it's a shame weapons even are made in the first place. But that would be a different story. Uh, but obviously, we have to like Batman, so we can't see him. Uh, continuing to to monitor, he'd be like, "Hey, Fox, Mister Wayne, it's three a.m. <laughs> These people are having phone sex. It's hot. <laughs> like, I gotta done it with Rachel." <laughs> All right. Um. Oh, I thought Harvey was about to bang both Rachel and the prima ballerina for the Moscow Ballet at that dinner. Uh, Harvey Harvey has mad swag. For those of you who were curious, I actually did meet Michael Jai White once at a at a martial arts convention. He was the one who played Gamble and got killed by the Joker. Uh, he was oh, running yeah. a martial arts seminar in which I was the one of the few people who couldn't do the technique he was teaching. And upon trying to tell me several times, he just said, "I guess you just can't do it," and walked away. Oh <laughs> damn! Really? 
Yes, uh, Michael Jai White, uh, he, he cucked me in front of a bunch of martial artists. And, dude, you should have seen I was warming up for the seminar before he got there. I'm doing cartwheels. Now, like, I'm I'm fat here. I'm, like, probably 280 pounds. Uh, I mean, none of their muscular people, but the way I hold it, I was fat. Uh, but I'm, like, doing cartwheels, jumping kicks, spinning kicks, you know, stretching out, getting ready. And this one simple maneuver I couldn't do, and it proved that I was actually the less competent ninja. In comparison to the competent ninja that Bruce Wayne is. That's wild. Of course, we see wealthy criminals who are able to exploit the banks and dodge the cops. Um, But it seems to be the ones who operate independently who threaten them. The Joker and Batman are really the big threats to the mob. I mean, it's kind of a story thing, but also it just goes into this continued narrative that, yeah, like the system is allowing these people to exploit it. But those who operate outside, they can kind of do whatever they 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 want to. You know, the difference is that for Batman, you know, he does have a code. And I think that is why we are on his side that, you know, he'll go to China and extradite Lao, but he won't level the whole fucking building of, of Lao's security investments to do it. You know, actually, no, 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 he doesn't. That was that was another building I'm thinking of that he the Pruitt building at the end that he collapses with explosives. I did want to also point out that I thought um Maggie Gyllenhaal gave a much better performance as uh, Rachel in this film. <laughs> I just think she comes off a Katie lot, Holmes. <laughs> a lot stronger and uh, more competent and t- and just tougher, you know, as as Rachel in this film. You know, she even confronts the Joker uh, when everyone else is is terrified, and you know, she just comes off as a very you know uh, powerful woman who's willing to put her life on the line in, in the film. And I thought she did a really good job with the performance and. Obviously, uh, you know, it sucks she died, but it was, I thought she was good in it. Um, I, you know, it sucks we also... that the character died. I think Maggie Gyllenhaal is still doing all right. Oh, shit. Is she really? I, I thought she was messing at me <laughs> the fuck out of that scene. Uh... <laughs> Maggie Day-Lewis. <laughs> uh, and my last two notes would just be that, um, you know, that whole scenario with the two ships, right, trying to blow each other up. And I, I think that the guy on the one ship, uh, who's just like regular civilians, let's say, he, you know, he says about, I guess it's all the people from the prison on the other ship. You know, he mentions that, you know, they all, they made the decision to steal and, and murder or something along those lines, you know. Yeah, so why, why should, should we, we have to pay? Right. And then, he, you know, he, he's trying to, to convince, convince everyone that they should kill them. Uh, and, and one of the prisoners on the other ship, you know, he's like, give me the remote, you know, I'll do what you should have done 10 minutes ago. And he throws it out the window. And, you know, I think we've, we've spoken about it on the podcast before, but you know, just because you're in, in prison or you've been jailed or arrested doesn't mean you're a bad person or even... In, or, or inhuman. Or, yeah, you know, I mean, people make mistakes. People are put in impossible situations. People are targeted by police. People are, uh, you know, arrested and they shouldn't be, you know. So there's so many reasons why one might be in prison and to think that they should die just because of that. Uh, it's pretty fucked up, but I'm glad no one kind of went into that and even had the prisoner be the one to make the right decision. You know, I thought that was, that was a cool little moment there. And, and, uh, I think, you know, I really approved of that. Um, and lastly, I, this was actually one of Heath Ledger's last two films, right? He, he actually passed away the same year this movie was released. I think he won uh, an Academy award for it. Um, and I mean, he, his performance was, ridiculously good right he was only 28 years old when he passed away get the uh, fuck out of here i'm older than heath ledger was yeah yep oh my gosh That's wild, right? wow yeah and that that was incredible <laughs> yeah i mean he's wow. he's he's really great and it started the great debate of who's the best joker right was it was it uh 
Jack Nicholson, Nicholson from 1989, yeah. Batman. Was it was it Heath Ledger? Some people even will say Mark Hamill as the animated series Joker. And I think they're all great in their own ways. But Heath Ledger's performance is uh, is really incredible. He really meth acted the fuck out of this and totally transformed himself. You know, if you've seen any of his other films, such as you know. Uh, a Knight's Tale. A Knight's Tale, 10 Things I Hate About You. You know, he's kind of like a pretty boy actor, and uh, he really started to make a name for himself with Brokeback Mountain, and then he did The Dark Knight, and unfortunately, uh, he did pass that year. He also released another movie called, like, The Imaginarium, Dr. Parnassus, or something like that. Mr. Magorium. Oh, no, yeah, it wasn't Mr. I always think it's Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium, no, and it's no. never Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty amazing that he was, you know, he was able to give this performance, and it's sad that. You know, he passed away, you know, right afterwards, but uh, quite quite the performance to, to rewatch. And I think he it holds up very well. I mean, I think in general, this film holds up really well. I think its themes in some ways are just as important today, if not more so than they were in 2008. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of back the blue sentiment in this movie, too. There you know, is, you had the guy. Yeah. Like, you know, being like, listen, just no more dead cops. Turn Batman in, regardless of the fact that the Batman is the only one who can stop the Joker, which is what Harvey's trying to tell everybody. You know, like it's there's this constant and it's happening today. Right. There's always this like, oh, if a cop dies, you know, like, you know, that means that we can't criticize the cops ever. And, you know, like it's just it's just difficult to speak reason to people. And, you know, I could I could feel Harvey's frustration in trying to do that. And. Uh, you know, we see that there there is a lot of that sentiment too. That uh, you know, the one guy gets put in the jail cell, and and you know, he goes, "Oh, I, I'm I'm in pain," and the and the cop goes, "You're a cop killer. You're lucky to be you're lucky to be feeling anything below the neck." Like, yeah, there's a lot of that. You, there's a lot of yeah. Meanwhile, Gordon, when they're all like up Joker's ass, he's like, "Listen, I don't want anything for his mob lawyer to use." Like, yeah. okay, so so where the where is it? Like, where the fuck do you? I mean. Well, even with Joker, when he's in that cell and he's talking about, like, oh, how many of your friends did I kill? That one cop. And he's like, six. And he's like, oh, you want to know which ones are cowards? And the guy, he's going to beat him up, right? Listen, it's so easy to goad him into it. Yep. To, and once again, breaking the law. I mean, Batman broke the law before. <laughs> like, yeah. And so did Gordon, letting him do that. Sorry. But yeah. Yeah, he yeah he goads him into attacking him. Um, last last couple notes I have. Uh, there There are a few more on the show notes and sources. So, folks. Check them out. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, most of them are just <laughs> notes on the movie, not really on the themes. Um, but Joker does call Gordon out, and he says, you know, that, like, you know, it doesn't make you something. I don't remember exactly the word he says. To know how truly alone you really are. You know, because he is the only good cop on the force. You know, Wurtz and Ramirez, you know, both yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> both ended up getting, you know, Rachel killed and Harvey deformed. Rachel pulled that same shit again, telling Bruce she loved him in a note, but claiming he needs to be Batman so she can't be with him. Yeah, I think the, he was ready to stop that, being right? Batman. Yeah, she claims that he can never give it up. <laughs> he was because like, no, I'm, I was literally about to 10 minutes ago. Because at like, the oh, press Bruce. conference, he wouldn't do it. But it's like, all right, they're trying to get the fucking Joker. And then he was going to stop being Batman. And he does. <laughs> Technically, he Yeah, he, he stops stop being, being Batman, Batman for eight years. <laughs> Uh, but that speaks to me, you know, I don't think the day will come where you no longer need Batman. You know, right. talking about the coping mechanisms of traumatized individuals. I had one last thing. Oh, it was great. Uh, obviously, we also see the cops. They go into the Pruitt building, one of my favorite scenes in any cinema. Uh, you know, then their first thing is that they're going to shoot all the people who have guns and who are wearing masks. But it turns out that those are actually the hostages. And, you know, thank 
thank God for Batman who was able to get there and beat the shit out of both the henchman <laughs> and the cops and save the clowns at the same time. Right. What Guys, great Batman movie because he does shit like this in the comics all the time. He does impossible stuff and they really made it, they made it look doable in here. And yeah. <laughs> you could tell he was, he was out of breath by the end of this shit. The city just showed you it's full of people ready to believe in good. Yeah, his his like his like fighting ninja skills weren't quite as sharp in this film, I feel like. So I mean, you know, I will say that as a martial artist, it is difficult, even if you're fighting people who don't know how to fight, to just take on multiple enemies, you know, the Rottweilers coming at him. I no, think he I actually know, threw know. the Rot you know, and like he's getting stabbed and hit with a crowbar and shit. Like, you'd like to think, you know, everything he learned could help him, but like some shit you just get your fucking ass kicked, yeah. no matter how competent of a ninja you are. Um and uh, yeah, I, last thing I want to talk about for real is just the fairy scenario that you already, you know, you already pointed it out. It, you know, this this scenario posits the idea that people are actually good, like they're naturally good and they're naturally selfless. And, you know, I was talking about this with someone recently that like it kind of is just the society around us that makes us who we are. Like if we didn't have to constantly step on each other's necks to get ahead in this world or, you know, like to, to pay our rent even, you know, would we be more likely to help others if we were provided for ourselves? I think that the answer is yes. You know, communism requires, you know, in order to believe in it, you have to believe that people are naturally good and people are naturally selfless. And, you know, even just the evolution of humanity required us to be able to trust one another. So, you know, and be, you know, being able to be a group with each other and sit around the fire and protect each other and hunt hunt for each other and with each other. And, you know, I think, I think, I think it is there. And, and, uh, in this, in the fairy scenario, I think they would have fucking pulled the, the the key, no doubt. I'm surprised it didn't happen, but you know the movie's supposed to give us a good feeling, I guess. Um, but they're forced to vote, and they're voting for something terrible, which is just like what we have to do every election cycle. And um, you know, it's interesting that when faced with the humanity of those less fortunate, they didn't necessarily believe that they had the right to decide another person's fate. And uh, you know, I really appreciated that. It was you know, it was kind of like uplifting, in such a you know, in such a you know, a grim film, you know. It's, there's a lot of other stuff in the film, but that in particular, I was like, huh, I'm for it. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, but with that being said, folks, I think we are ready to sign off. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen The Dark Knight, definitely watch it. We could talk for three hours about this film. It is, like I said, it's my favorite film. One of yours, I assume, right? Yeah, it's one of And, uh, okay, there, there you go. So, so, so that's You're good. my girlfriend uh, who doesn't like superhero movies loves this fucking movie, so that's how good it is. Hey, there you go. Because she can take it. Because she's not a hero. <laughs> That's right. Just, you got to endure, all right? That's all you got to do. Endure, Master Wayne. But yes, so uh, so for those of you who are, who are interested in letting us know your thoughts, you can find us on Twitter at PolitipopPod, Instagram, Podcast, email us at PolitipopCast at gmail.com, search us up on YouTube, you find our show notes and sources at PolitipopPodcast.wordpress.com. And as always, special thanks to all of you sexy listeners out there. And uh, for those of you who think you're not, you are. Unless you're <laughs> not an adult, in which case, you know, congrats. Your intellect is fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but thanks to all of you and to Antonio Haba for logo design. For the Politipop... Oh, by the way, next next week we're going to be watching The Dark Knight Rises. I kind of said that already. We're going to finish up this there. trilogy in style with a movie that we have feelings about. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Look forward to it, guys. It's going to be great. But yeah, for the Politipop podcast, I have been Mike Booch. I have been Ty. Remember, no matter what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to... Never stop thinking, never stop learning, and always remember to read between the lines. And scenes.